Uh, anyway, let's get into our word this morning. You may come down just a bit, Dorian, just a tad. Uh, this morning, I just want to speak to this, this service, uh, and I want to talk about a good example. Again, I know our, our system is out right now. Pray that it comes back up because a lot of the elements we use in the next service will depend on our technology. Um, but uh, I want to talk about a good example, a good example. First Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning verse number 2, this is Paul writing to the church uh, there in Thessalonica. He said, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. <coughs> Pardon me. You know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting uh, journey, and, and when I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1985, um, I was talking to a young lady just the other day, uh, we, were, we were just having an interesting conversation, and I said, you know, prior to that, I grew up in church, many of you have heard my testimony, I grew up in church, um, I'm third generation, my grandfather was a pastor, but, but it didn't click with me. Uh, I, I, I went because I was told to go, you know, back in the day, you didn't back talk your parents, you know. And so I was told to go, and, and so I went. And, and I went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and then oftentimes when we had other things going, we were there. And my dad wasn't just one of those attenders. He was a worker. And so many times uh, when the church wasn't open, there was something to be done at the church. My dad would say, boy, let's go. we got to go do something at the church, whether it was uh, repair a light, repair the roof, fix a broken this, a broken that. Whatever it was, we were called on. And my dad responded. And so that's kind of the way I was raised. So, so my idea of church, that's really what it was. It really wasn't something that connected with me until I rededicated my life to the Lord. And you've heard me say this for years. All those years, uh, probably about 16 years of my life, I lived my parents' faith. And, and then I rebelled, of course, and, you know, that history. And, and, but when I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1985, their faith now became, it became my faith. You know, I was no longer trying to live off of my parents' faith. I was now trying to forge my own spiritual journey with Christ. And, and so here I am. You fast forward since 1985 to where we are today. And, and I'll just be honest with you. My, the whole goal of my Christian walk, two things. There's two goals of my Christian journey right now. One of them is to hear my father say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the second one is I want to provide an example of a sold-out follower of Christ. That's it. I want to hear my father say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then I want to be an example to others of a sold out follower of Christ. I want people to look at my life and say, he reflects a Christ-centered life. Meaning that everything that I do, and again, I fall short often, okay? So please don't read between the lines. There's nothing there. I fall short often. But my goal and what I strive for is to be an example so that when people see me, they say, now there's a man who is Christ-centered. There's a man who, who makes decisions and his outflow of his life is based upon Christ-centered centeredness. 
Uh, so that got me thinking, and I mentioned this Wednesday night just a little bit. If God, were going to, if God was going to use us as an example for other believers, what is that one thing that God would pick out about us? You ever thought about that? Paul said, I mean, we could take this and run with it because Paul said that we are living epistles, read of all men. That means that our life is telling a story. Whether, again, we acknowledge that or not, our life tells a story about what we value in life, about who, you know, our trust and our confidence. But, but again, if, if God was going to pick something out about us, what would it be? What would it be? Is there something in our walk that would serve as a model for new Christians to follow? Or is the opposite true? Is there something that God would use to show others what not to do? You know, like, would God say, well, you know, you see how he makes decisions without consulting me? Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Or you see how he grumbles and complains about everything in the church that doesn't go his way? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Or how about this one? Look at how he doesn't read his Bible or pray. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now, uh, you know, again, look at him cheating his boss, not giving a full eight hours work for eight hours pay. Don't do that. Again, what is it about our life that will be an example for them to follow? Or what is it about our life that God would say, look, there's some things wrong. Don't do that. Don't be that type of person. So in Paul, in our reading this morning, in Paul's letter to the, uh, the church of Thessalonica, this is what Paul's doing. Paul mentions that they are examples to other churches. He said, you are an example to other churches, especially to the churches in, Ma in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, this church, and if you think about the church of Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, it was quite unlike the church, the fragmented church of Corinth. Anybody remember reading about the church of Corinth? They had all the gifts, but they lacked love. And this church was unlike the church of Galatia, who had received the word of God with joy, but now they were rocked with racism, and, 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 and they were not like the church of Laodiceans, who, who thought they were rich, you know, they thought they were all that, a bag of chips, you know, they thought they were there rich and increased with goods and didn't need anything but yet the bible says they were remember what it said it says they were wretched they were poor they were blind and they were miserable unlike so many other churches the church of the thessalonians was an example uh to other churches it had some strong points and it served paul said this church serves as a model for other churches that and i think it's still relevant for us today what they did are, is still a model for us today. You know, today we live in a culture, and I, I, you know, most of you would probably know this to be, you know, years ago, I, got, I bought into some of the ideology of church growth me uh, methodologies. And, and you've heard me share, in fact, we've done a drama based on a dream I had, of, a vision I had of people going to hell. Prior to that, my whole philosophy of ministry was the more people we could get through the doors, the more likely we were to catch people. And, and so the goal was always about numbers. It was always about attendance. Now, as a byproduct of that, we saw people saved, but that was not the main goal. The goal was to get people in the building, people in the church, people in the pews, and then try to retain some. But when I had that vision of people going to hell, then it changed. And all of a sudden, I know, you know, yes, I want to see us to grow because we, we, we have a lot of ministries and there are more ministries we ought to be doing that takes people. But the, po the whole goal, like today, you know, we've done this drama and, and I hear people say, Pastor, I've already seen that, so I don't think I'll come. Well, it's not for you to come see. 
We're not doing it to entertain. This is about reaching people. So the goal became reaching lost people. And listen, I love, I love Bethel Temple, and I want to see as many people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through our ministry as possible. Listen, we're seeing great things. We're seeing great things uh, through God uh, right now in this body. This church is reaching out, extending its reach in the community. God has given us favor in the community. But here's the thing. We have to continue to strive for a greater impact and let our light shine no matter what. Verse number two, Paul says it like this. We give thanks to God always for for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing. So what is it that Paul remembers about them? What was it about this one church that so stood out that every time Paul thought about Thessalonica, this is what he thought about. What was it about them uh, that was so praiseworthy? Well, Paul remembers these, uh, the, uh, he remembers these things, and, and, and what are they? Well, he lists them. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and the third one was, and your patience of hope. That's what he remembered. Your work of faith, your labor of love, <coughs> and your patience of hope. Now, notice the trinity of virtues there. Faith, love, and hope. Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Is love. So, so we have these three virtues, but notice, <coughs> pardon me, notice these things that follow these three virtues. He says, uh, so you have work, labor, and patience. Um, and, and, and so when you add work, labor, and patience to faith, hope, and love, you know what? You have a powerful and explosive combination that will expand the kingdom of God wherever that happens. So let's look at what Paul said this morning. First of all, he said, your work of faith. <coughs> your work of faith. Pardon me. Now, what does it mean when we talk about work of faith? This is what James said. James said in, ver- in chapter 2, verse 20. He said, but I want you to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead faith without works is dead he goes on in verse 26 says for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also in other words we're not saved by works that's what Paul said we're saved by faith right not through works but we are saved to work there's a difference he said you show me your faith I'll demonstrate my faith by that which I do Faith is not a, it, it, it's, it's, it's a verb, it's an action. Faith is, if you talk about faith, that's all it is, it's just talk. But if you, Paul is saying, look, I, I, I celebrate, I remember you are an example because you have faith that works. You have faith that looks around and it sees a, uh, again, this is a Tommy Barnettism, but it's always find a, find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. When I first heard that in 97, it totally changed my life. I thought, I never, that, that just made so much sense to me. See, I'm from Alabama. You got to make it plain and simple. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. That's it in a nutshell. That's works. See, fundamental to our beliefs is that God, in, in God, is that all things are possible. And, and here's the, <coughs> pardon me, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's all this construction dust. <coughs> Again, fundamental to our belief is that with God, all things are possible. Now, here's the thing. If we believe this is true, if we believe that with God, all things are possible, then we ought to be working like all things are possible. Amen? 
We ought to be working like all things are possible. It's, it's one thing to believe that God can cause the walls of Jericho to fall, right? It's altogether a different thing to lace up your sandals every day and to go outside and walk around that thing one time every day and then seven times on the seventh day. That's a whole different matter. Because anybody can talk about the walls are going to fall and the breakthrough is going to come. But when you have to lace up your boots and get out and start doing something, that's a whole different story. I always joke with new ministers, I say oftentimes that so many people today miss the opportunity of ministry because it comes dressed in coveralls and looks like work. But that's the reality. Paul said, I remember your, your, your works of faith. I remember those things. And you become an example to others. Your work of faith is an example for others. See, a church that works like she believes that God is about to do something will strive to make a difference in people's lives. Again, I, I, the joke, the joke I, it's not really a joke. This is kind of when people talk about things that we do. I say, look, we're not building rockets. We're not building rockets. We're just reaching people. We're loving people. We're making a difference in people's lives. And we make it so complicated. It's not complicated. Listen, a church that works like she believes that God will do something will strive to make a difference in people's lives. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. As Christians, you and I, we're saved by faith, we live by faith, we walk by faith. You and I have been called to live by faith, a faith that will translate into service to others on his behalf. Again, when you start living your life to, to, uh, to serve others, remember Jesus said, even a cup of water, John, given to, to you in his name means something. It means something. That random act of kindness you know we that was a big deal back in the 90s early 2000s everybody talked about random acts of kindness why did why did that stop I mean I know there's still pockets of things happening I, I every once in a while I'll hear somebody that will post about somebody in a drive-thru paid for their order behind them you just hope it's not uh, just a word to the wise make sure it's not a 15 passenger van that you want to pay for that's behind you <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> but why don't we stop doing that just random acts of kindness. That's what he's talking about. Listen, we, we've been called to live by faith. That faith that we live by now translates into our service for others. We're saved by grace alone, but our service gives evidence of the genuine faith that we say we have. Paul said, I'll show you my faith by what I do. It's not just what I talk about. How many people know that there's too many people talking about it, not doing anything about it? Again, I'll, it, it, you know, if I, if I can talk about the power of God and the, 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 the walls coming down and the breakthroughs and all of those things, but if I'm not willing to lace up my shoes and get out in the trenches and do the things that need to be done, then it's all talk. We live in a world today with the generations coming up. They need to see the action. You know, my, my granddaughter, uh, Audrey, the oldest one, we were talking last night, and, uh, and uh, she, uh, Rebecca made this comment that, that Audrey would skip school if she could come out and do the food distribution every time we do it. She absolutely loves doing the food distribution. And so this summer, we're going to have another partner out there every time that we do it because she absolutely enjoys giving food. In fact, the last one we did, she begged her mama to get her out of school so she could come help us. That's what we, again, these are opportunities. That's what, he said, I remember, I remember your works of faith. And it's become an example to others. Again, nothing that we do here is about us. That changed a long time ago. 
You know, I appreciate the recognition the community has, has given to, to myself and to us, but it's not about that. never has been. It's not about that. It's about making him famous. It's about the young lady that gave us a card that says, you don't have any idea what this food ministry does for us. Or the one that swings by and is in the middle of a crisis and says, I, I, I don't belong here, I don't, this is not my church, but I'm in such a, a bad situation right now. Could somebody please, please pray for me? And you stop what you're doing and you say, come on, let's gather and we pray. That's what it's about. Paul said that's an example. It's not about building monuments to men. It's about expanding the kingdom. Oh, yeah, I want to see God add to the church. I want people to, to come and be a part of us. You know, you know, our goal, we've always talked about a 1,000 active members. That's just the number the Lord gave me. I don't know where it came from. It's just something I've had. If you've been here a long time, you've heard me talk about that for many, many, many years. Active is the part, though, that I'm focused on. Active members. Because I think, man, if we can do what we've done, I mean, I mean, you think about what we've done with the membership we have. If we get more active members, how much more can we be doing in the community? I had somebody reach out the other day and ask if, they had, if we had our divorce care for children going. You know, it was something that we had envisioned a couple of years ago before we had the, the, the damage to our, to our Hope House. And I, I said, unfortunately, we don't. I said, but that's one program that I really, really want to get started because kids, you know, through divorce in, our, in, in this culture today, kids are the ones that are victimized tremendously. And to be able to have a service to them. And I thought, you know what? We ought to be doing that. So I'm praying. I want you to pray with me. Paul said, I remember that. Then he goes on and says, your labor of love. Your labor of love. What this church did, and here's the point, is they did it out of love wasn't to have their name in the newspaper, wasn't to have the neon that focused on them. It was their love for God. It was the love for God and the love for other people. The writer of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. In other words, everything that we do, God doesn't forget. Every act of service, everything that we render to others on his behalf, he said God's not unrighteous and that he won't remember that. He will keep a record. I always tell people, when, especially like with drama, this stuff takes a lot of work. We've had people, actually the, the, the cast and the crew, uh, it's taken them a while. You know, and, and, and so I, I mentioned yesterday in rehearsal, I said, you know, the thing about this is that we are, every person that responds tomorrow, today, you will, God will account that to your, to your, he will accredit that to your account. And I said, there are going to be people that you'll meet in heaven that will come up to you that you have no idea who they are. And they will say, you know what, on, on April the 10th, 2022, I came as somebody's friend. And because you got up on stage, even though it took your time and your effort and you had to give up some things to come to practice and to learn your lines and to do those things. But because you did that, I am here today. I believe that. I believe everything that we do has an eternal consequence to it. You know, he said, uh, you know, when we love God, then we love others. When we love God and when our desire is to please God, it becomes a delight to serve in whatever capacity. You know, when, we, when we're in love with Jesus, then all of a sudden our service becomes not a, a laborious thing. It becomes a very excitable and joyful thing to be able to serve others. When we love God, we love his servants. When we love God, we love his people. 
We love to serve in the vineyard. We break up the fallow ground. We plant the seed. We water the seed. And we tend to the garden. We do that out of love. And at the end of the day, you know, we're not, we don't tell God how much he owes us for the labor. We don't give him an invoice and say, this is what I've done. This is what you owe me. Instead, instead, you know what we do? We thank him for allowing us to partner with him. See, that's the way I, I mean, think about it. Isn't it a marvelous thing that God in his economy decided to use us to impact people's eternity? He could have done it any way he wanted to. But for whatever reason, he chose to use frail human beings to be his, his, the oracles, to speak his word. You know, for years I've asked our ministry team leaders to always be in, uh, look on, on the lookout to engage the community. Get involved in civic communities. The, you know, there's so many things that go on. I, I was privileged to be a part of the, be at the uh, uh, pregnancy center banquet a couple, in the gala a couple weeks ago. What an awesome work they do. What an awesome work they do. The food ministry of, of the Bread Connection here in town. What an awesome place to work and to serve. Got a big banquet coming up for them in a couple of weeks. There's just so many things that we can do. And, 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 and again, I tell our ministry team, always look for things to do. To re, to, again, representing him in the community. Uh, listen, a church that is inward focused, listen to me, it's a dying church. A church that's only focused about numbers in the pew and they're not focused about out, people out there, it's a dying church. Jesus said, look up, lift up your eyes and see the harvest around us. It's plentiful. It's plentiful. Our service is motivated by our love for God and love for others. Again, our badge that we wear is what? Remember what it is? It's love. It's the love we have one for another. John said it like this. He said, beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love is from God. And everyone who loves is of God. And he knows God. And if we don't love, remember what he said? He said, you don't know God. There's God's love. And then the third thing was this. Patience of hope. They had works. They had love. And they had patience. And I have to sing the song when I come to this because he's still working on me. <laughs> because patience is a rare virtue that I am working towards. Well, you know, I usually do pretty good until they get behind the car, in the, behind the wheel of a car. For some reason, that automobile, you know, it's like when we lived in Germany, everybody talked about, you know, just being in, in Germany, what a it, it, wonderful country, a lot of history, beautiful place. And, and most of the Germans uh, that, that I encountered there were pretty mild-mannered people until they got behind their cars. And then, man, you better stay out of their way. I mean... <laughs> So they had this thing in Germany, pedestrians in Germany always have the right of way, doesn't matter what. So you're driving along and, and, and you've got you've to keep that peripheral vision because some kid will come up to the road and here's what he does, immediately he'll throw his hand out like this, that means you better stop because he's walking over and they'll just start walking and you better stop. And if you, and if you screech your tires, they'll stop in the road and they'll look at you like how... <laughs> I mean, they just stare you down, you know, patience of hope. He commends them because of that, hope. You know, here's the thing about hope. Hope for the believer is not a chance thing. It's not, it's not like playing the lottery and hoping that you get the right numbers. Hope for the Christian, here's what it is. It's a future certainty based upon the sure promises of God. That's what hope is. Paul wrote to Titus, 
looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our hope. He goes on and John writes in 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifies himself even as He is pure. That's our hope. We're sons of God right now. When you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became a child of God right then. But you're not complete. But one day we'll get to see him, and that's when we will be complete. See, hope for the Christian, as I bring this in, is a future certainty based upon the sure promises of God. And here's the sure promise. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and and this is our hope. And again, it's a certainty based upon the pure promises of God. God is not a man that he should lie. I believe Jesus is coming back for his bride, and that is my hope. Listen, I've built my entire life on that one promise, on that one hope. My entire existence is focused on that one thing. And because of that hope, you know what I do? I get up every day. I look for opportunities to serve. I look for ways to be an example. I look for people that I can share and minister with. That's because of this hope right here that he's coming back. Again, my goal is to hear my father say, well done, good and faithful servant, and have others say, you know what? I can tell you've been with Jesus. You're a follower of Christ. Not because I wear a badge, not because I carry a card in my pocket that says reverend or pastor or whatever but because my life is a letter that reads as uh, as an example of Christ. The patience that Paul talks about is from the Greek word hypomene, which means to remain under. Remain under. Patience of hope basically refers to the ability of the Thessalonians to remain true in their faith under times of difficulty. And I'm closing with this because, listen, we live in a very difficult day. I think you and I would understand Paul writing to his son and the Lord Timothy when he said, know this also, that in the last days perilous times will come. We're seeing those perilous times right now. We're living in those perilous times. And, and so Paul commended them because of their patience of hope. They were under pressure. They were under persecution. They were under a lot of things. But he said, I commend you because you continue to work and you continue to love And you maintained your patience looking forward to the promise of God. That's how we do it, church. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how difficult it's going to be. You know, I used to say I I didn't think in my lifetime that holding the Bible up and preaching its words would would be illegal in, in our country. But I can't say that any longer. Just north of the border right now, there are certain passages of Scripture they have deemed illegal to be read. Just north. So the trend is not in a positive manner. So what I'm saying is that just because we see the trend doesn't mean that we circle the wagons and we start singing, hold the fort for I'm coming. Paul said, set yourself up as an example. Continue your works of faith. Faith is stepping out in the unknown. No idea what's going to happen. No idea of the results. You just step out at the leading of the Holy Spirit and you watch what God will do. I still believe in the impossibility happening. I still believe in the divine invasion into the normal affairs of man and God doing incredible things. I still believe that. He said, I want you to be an example. 
your faith, your works of faith, your labor of love. Do what you do out of love. Because listen, if you don't, every time you complain about doing something, one more jewel gets dropped off the crown. <laughs> I always tell our team when, they're, when, we're, when we're getting ready for an event, and they might bring up something about how tired they are, how much work's gone into it, and I'm like, I'm just telling you, you're, you're losing jewels right now. You better hush. <laughs> and he said, your patience of hope. By doing these things, we become an example to other people. Faith, hope, and love paired with work, labor, and patience will produce a life worthy of respect, and it merits God's commendation. Won't you stand with me this morning? Listen, I believe this morning if our works are lacking, maybe our faith needs to be built. If our labor is faltering, maybe our love needs to be renewed. If our hope is failing, then maybe our patience requires a little bit of reviving. I want to be a church that is an example to others. Again, not for fame's sake, by no means, but for his sake. Paul said, you know what? I commend you because you're an example to other churches, especially Macedonia and Achaia. You are an example. And I remember these things, and every time I think, of, think about it. Y'all remember a few years ago, as I close, I, I made this statement. I was, one of the things that kind of shifted in my mindset was in 2013. It was a Wednesday night. We had that tornado came through Cleveland. We had service. I, I, you know, I knew what was going on. I went home to check on Sheila, and then I ran over to, to uh, there was a, a group home that just not far from here that, that uh, had no power. We were working to get generators and stuff to them. And, and uh, I, I, from there, I went over to the EOC, their emergency operations center. When I walked in, and you've heard me say this before, when I walked in, this big room, and I looked around, they had all these big monitors and screens and radios, and there's all these first responders out. But I noticed in the room, there, were every, there was every segment of society represented there. There were obviously the LEOs, there were the first responders, the, there was the school superintendent was there. All of these people were there. But you know what I didn't see? I didn't see one pastor. I didn't see one pastor, and it broke my heart. And I thought, you know what? We're not even an issue. The church has become so irrelevant to society that when the society needs us the most, we're not even thought of to pick up the phone and call. And I said, you know what? That's got to change. In fact, I mentioned that here. I said, that's got to change. I said, we don't need to be the last one they call. We need to be the first ones they call. And so from that point on, I began to look for ways, we began to look for ways that we could serve our community and that we could reach out to the community. And I... And I'm happy to say that we are some of those. And, but I made the statement. I said, you know, we ought to live our life as, in such a way that if Bethel Temple was not here, that the community would miss us. That they would miss us being here. And last week, as a citation was being read, the, one of the statements made by our, uh, one of our local politicians was, if Bethel Temple was not here in Cleburne, Cleburne would miss it. And I thought, that's what we're here for. Make him famous, reach lost people, and serve each other. Paul said, do that as an example to others. Won't you bow with me this morning as we close in prayer? 
And I'm simply going to do this. If you're online this morning, listen, God saved you to work, to find a ministry, to find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. So let me ask you this morning as we close in prayer, maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I've not found that spot. I need to. Or maybe I've become weary and I want to find things that I can do. Listen, I understand as we age, we have to slow down. There are things that we can't do. But there are other ministries that doesn't require the physicality that some others do. There's always opportunities, always things that we can do. Paul said, be an example. As I close this morning, how many here would say, you know what, Pastor, I want to I live my life as an example to others. Just slip in, write them right back down, and we're going to pray. Father, today I love you so much, and I thank you. I thank you for the privilege of being in ministry. I thank you for the privilege of, no matter what level, of, no, no matter what our capacity is, Lord, of serving, we serve out of, out of love for you and for our fellow man. Lord, help us to do what we do because of faith to step out, even when naysayers tell us things can't be done, may we step out in faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do it out of love, not some sense of obligation, not because of guilt, but Lord, because we love you and we love our fellow man. And Father, help us to endure with patience, the patience of hope. Lord, help us to understand that these are some difficult days and not everybody would be a fan, not everybody will be uh, excited that we are reaching out and serving but Lord help us to be patient with our hope that you're coming again and let it motivate us to serve Lord you said if we have this hope in us we purify ourselves so help us to live pure and holy and righteous lives so that we can become an example to others Father I thank you for all that you've done Lord continue opening doors and continue to help us to dream of new ways that we can impact our community and serve those who are hurting, Lord. May we truly be a church that finds those needs and fills them and finds the hurts and heals them through you and for you. Now, Father, I ask you to go with us today. Give us a wonderful time today, and Father, as we prepare for the next service, I pray that everything will, will work. Lord, all the glitches that we've had this morning, Lord, we need your help. Lord, we're going to have people here today that need you, that need to hear the message of Christ. Lord, I pray that you will help us today. Lord, I pray you'll give us a harvest of souls, Lord, and I pray that we'll rejoice and you will rejoice as well as we continue our works of faith, our labor of love, and our patience of hope. Go with us now. Give us a great day, I pray, in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you.